Okay. The parsha, the parsha this week is the parsha of Nitzavim. Nitzavim is a very short parsha, but it contains a perik which is very significant. That's perik Lamed, which in turn is called we call it the Parshat Hatshuva. It's the parsha in the Torah that tells us something very important about Shuvah. Now, as an introduction, I, I just want you to understand that this parak has nothing to do with what we call the mitzvah of Shuvah, which is a personal obligation, a private and personal, I mean, every person has to do Shuvah, the Rambam says. So the Rambam Nechot Shuvah does not quote any of the psukim in this parasha, which of course, you know, adds to the mystery a little bit. So what is this parasha about? So what I'd like to do is go through the psukim and try to get a feeling for what the parasha of Chuva and the parasha of Nitzavim is really about. So now, you know that the bracha and the klala are found in the parasha of Kitavo. And for some reason the Torah was not content with saying, if you do the right thing, you'll be blessed. And if you do the wrong thing, you'll be cursed or you'll get uh, punished. But the Torah says, the Torah says the punishment, that explains to us the nature of the punishment at great length in the parasha of Kitavo. And also the nature of the bracha is explained to us in a number of psukim, not so many psukim as the klala, but, you know, it's, it's explained to us. Good things will happen. The rain will rain, the, the crops will grow, everybody will be, uh, will be happy with themselves. And the opposite is also true. The opposite is true that people who, um, who do the wrong thing will be punished. And the punishment is very explicit and contains exile and various kinds of illnesses, disease. I mean, it's really terrible when you read the parish of Kitavo carefully, which is one of the reasons that there's a minhag amongst Ashkenazim, that when you come to that part of the parish of Kitavo, the Balkori does two things. One, he reads it quietly, more quietly than he reads whatever else he's reading, so no one can hear what he's saying. And, you know, maybe somebody can hear it. But And the second thing, he reads it quickly, as though to say... Let's get this parsha out of the way, you know, the parsha of, uh, of Kitavo. So here, this parak is a continuation of that parasha. And here in the continuation it says, So he says, so, then, so let's say in history, it happens. You did all these transgressions. And you deserve all these terrible punishments that are written in the parish of Kitavo, and you're sent off to exile. And in exile, ter- more terrible things happen to you, right? We just look back on history, and we know that even though exile had a few nice moments, you know, in the last 2,000 years, it had a lot of miserable moments as well. So, it says, "Vashevota el levavecha bechol agoyim asher dichacha Hashem elokecha shav." Vashevota veha shevota. Now I don't know. You know how many of you are interested in grammar, but here this word "vashevota" is uh, the root of "lashuv," right? To return, which is the word about tshuva, which is the root of the word tshuva. The hashevota is a kind of intensive, we call it ifil. You, you put that A in front of it in order to indicate that this is serious. Vashevota elevavecha sounds like it means this is going to happen. 
what is going to happen? Tshuva. It could also mean, theoretically, if this happens. But from the tenor of the rest of the parasha, I think it's more correct to say that it will surely happen. That, that this is what's going to happen. You're going to be in exile, and it's going to be miserable, and you're going to dream about a better life. And you know that the first step to a better life is going to be to do tshuva. And you'll be dispersed in the many nations, and you'll decide. And then Pasuk Bet, again, emphasized with Shavta. Shavta. Shavta is also a Tzivui, what we call, we learn in school. They say Tzivui, like Shavta. You, you, return. It could maybe mean. If you return. But again, let's, let's look at it as being a directive. This is going to happen. So the, the points of interest in this pasuk are and then That's a little strange. What does ata uvanecha mean? Does it mean you and your children who are adults? In which case they are ata. But what's the difference if somebody somebody else's child? I mean, it doesn't matter. He is obliged. He is obliged like his father's obliged. Wasn't this about If he's a child, so he's not obliged. What? Yeah, but how, how can you say that you're going to do tshuva and the generations, unborn generations, are going to do tshuva? What does that mean? What? You mean they'll... Yeah, but, but uh, is that something new? I mean, is it a certainty? What happened in the past? There were people who were good people, who had children, who were not so good. That was not such a remarkable thing. So it says in the Pasuk, Pasuk Bet, it says... That's what the Pasuk says. Now we have to Pasuk Gimel. Now this word, Shav, Tshuva, I mean, just keeps appearing. And God will return your return. Right? You will return, you will be returned. Right? Something like that. And God will have mercy. So there's a promise. There's a promise that B'nai Yisrael will come back to Eretz Yisrael. And that promise is subsequent to another promise that you'll do tshuva. You, B'nai Yisrael, will do tshuva. And because you, B'nai Yisrael, will do tshuva, you'll all uh, come back to Eretz Yisrael. So if you look at Rashi, Rashi in Pasuk, Pasuk Gibel, Hayalo Lichtov, Veishivet Shivutcha, Rashi says. Veishivet Shivutcha, not Veishav et Shivutcha, but Veishiv, like, right, the intensive form, the Hifil form, which, was, which is what it started out with. So Rabbeinu, Lamdu Mikan, Shashchina, Kibyechot, Shruya, in Yisrael, Bitzarat Galutam. So this doesn't mean just that God will make you do tshuva, but v'shav Hashem, that God will also return. Return from where? From exile. Because God is also in exile. Right? God is in exile. Ukshenigalim. That means God imposed exile on God. That's how it works. So that exile is not just a punishment. But you know, if I had to explain Rashi in a kind of a more interesting manner. Exile is not just a punishment, but exile is a break in the natural order. What's the natural order? That God has a place in Eretz Yisrael. That God is in control of the world. Exile, galut, means... And God is not where God should be. 
ועוד יש לומר שגדול יום קיבוץ גלויות ובקושי, כאילו הוא עצמו צריך להיות אוחז בידיו ממש איש איש במקומו, כעניין שנאמר אצלנו, that somehow God is involved in the גאולה, in the redemption of each and every Jewish person. So Rashi focuses our attention on the words v'shav Hashem. Not that God will make us do tshuva, but that God also will return. That's how Rashi, that's how Rashi understands it. Now we're up to Pasuk Dalit. So further explanation. Wherever you happen to be, as far away and as dispersed as you might be, Misham, Yikabetzcha Hashem Elokecha Misham Yikachecha. Right? Okay. I mean, why? Here, again, again, you know, when it comes to Torah, we, we have this assumption that the Torah does not repeat things idly. And therefore, we would look for a reason why is it God to say it again and again and again, but we're going to stick to Rashi. Whatever Rashi helps us with, Rashi helps us with. Other things, you know, when we have time, we'll look at some other things, but not now. Pasuk uh, So that the end of time, at the end of time, Am Yisrael will do tshuva, HaKadosh Baruch Hu will return them and himself, so to speak, and then they'll go back to Eretz Yisrael and everything will be as it should be. Everything will be as it should be. And then you have this difficult pasuk, Umal Hashem Elokecha Et Levavcha V'Dvav Zaracha Lavat Hashem Elokecha V'Chol Levavcha V'Chol Nafshecha Leman Chayecha Umal That's the word circumcise. That's the word in English to circumcise. Circumcision means to uncover something in the body in a permanent manner. Right? You understand that 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 uh, a bris milah is valid only if it produces a permanent change. But if the bris milah doesn't produce a permanent change, so it has to be it has to be done over again. So that the the, the mitzvahim, the Ramban here. But before Shem say, means that you will go through a permanent change. Your personality is going to change. In, in other words, there's a promise. Not only that you'll do tshuva, not only that you return to Eretz Yisrael, but that's going to be your last stop. That's going to be the final destination. How could that be? How could it be that Eretz Yisrael will be your final destination? Well, because you're not going to be, you're going to do again what you did the first time around. You're not going to do those Averot. You're not going to lean in the direction of Avodazara, of, of idolatry. You're not going to do any of that. Why not? It's a part of the promise of the ultimate redemption is that it's going to be ultimate. How could it be ultimate? Only that God will change your personality. Just like you have a heart, and the heart is like the seat of emotion, and the heart is covered up uh, somehow, right? It doesn't let you express your true feelings. So will make it possible for you to be true to yourself, for you to be honest. About what you really want. That's Mal Hashem Lukechad Levavcha, Vet Levav Zaracha, Levav Hashem Lukechad Levavcha, Kol Levav Shikol Bachachachachachach. And so there we understand, perhaps, just it says here in this Pasuk, Et Levav Zaracha, right? Your heart and the hearts of your children. So we understand Pasuk, Pasuk Bet, Atal Vanecha. How do we know, how does the Torah know there's a promise that you will do tshuva and Vanecha will do tshuva? How do you know that? Because Mal Hashem Elokechad Levavcha. And Mal Hashem Elokechad Levavcha means you're going to be a new, a new nation, a new person, a new family, and a new nation. And the new nation will be a nation that can live with its responsibility. That's how I would say it. The responsibility is to keep the Torah to do the right thing, to avoid the wrong thing. But your inclination will be 
to do the right thing and not to do the wrong thing. The Rambam says, the Rambam says in Hilchus Tshuva, in the fifth parak, the Rambam says, Bechirach of Sheet means that you can be as good as Moshe Rabbeinu or as bad as Yeravam Benevat. That's what the Rambam says, right? The worst guy in the world, Yeravam Benevat, who made, uh, who produced idolatry to compete with the Beit HaMikdash. In other words, Yeravam Benevat was the king of Israel after the death of Shlomo HaMelech, right? Do you remember? After the death of Shlomo HaMelech, the country split into two, north and south. And the king in the south, in Yehuda, was the son of Shlomo HaMelech, whose name was Rechavam. And the king in the north was Yeravam ben Nevat, who was originally appointed by a Navi. In other words, Rechavam was well known as a bad guy. And so the northern tribes split away from the joint community. And uh, Yeravam ben Avat was appointed by Achia Shiloni. And uh, at the beginning it was a divine appointment. It was an appointment through prophecy. But eventually it was clear that Yeravam ben Avat was a very bad person. Okay, this is an interesting topic. The Rambam himself says that free will, the Rambam, says that we are free will actors. And what does that mean? We can be as good as Moshe Rabbeinu. The Rambam doesn't, doesn't, he's not nervous about that. And he says, like, everybody could be as good as Moshe Rabbeinu, and everybody can be as bad as Yeravam ben Nevat. As bad as Yeravam ben Nevat. But when you read the Rambam, it sounds like it's an even kind of, the even opportunity. Like, you want to be good? You can be good. You want to be bad? You can be bad. Right? It's not like there's some kind of a natural inclination that you had. Of course, we all have parents, and the parents teach us to be a certain way. We go to schools, right? We are... Uh, uh, we always undergo indoctrination. Nevertheless, we don't lose the Bechirach of Shit according to the Rambam. According to the Chumash, at the end of days, right, this is some kind of a eschatological idea, like there's an end, and the end will be good and perfect and the way it should be. And at the end of days, your choice is a lot easier because of Mal Hashem it becomes nature, second nature, third nature, or first nature, to do the right thing. Instead of doing the wrong thing, we all know people, or we've read about people, or heard about people, whom doing the right thing is so simple and obvious and clear that, uh, that you wonder, you know, the Bali Muslims say, the Bali Muslims say that Malashem uh, Lukech is uh, this, you know, there's a baby crawling around the house. <laughs> Everybody knows that. There's a baby someplace crawling around the house. So you, so the baby comes close to the oven, which happens to be lit. So you say to the baby, don't touch the oven, right? The mothers, they will never tire of doing that. The baby immediately goes to the oven and sticks his hand on the oven and gets burnt. But then, he doesn't touch the oven again. So the question is, that baby, who won't touch the oven under any circumstances, has he lost his free will or not? So the Bali Musa says, of course he does. He hasn't lost his free will. He just understands that it's a bad thing to do. The same thing, that's what righteousness is. Righteousness means, not a person who's like always telling himself to be righteous, but a person for whom righteousness it's the obvious thing to do. It's the simple thing. It's not, you know, like some people always look like they're burdened. They're not doing it right. They're not getting it right. And some people seem to be able to do it right without expressing a lot of uh, pain. So it's like, it goes easily. It goes easily. The people for whom it goes easily, they're the righteous people. And the other people are the neurotic people. And neurotic is okay. I mean, you know, it's, somebody's good, helpful to be neurotic. You know, you get there on time if you're neurotic. But, but that's not a level, that's not the level of righteousness. That's a level of neurosis. The level of neurosis is a zach, right? It's something, it's something else. So, mola Hashem Elokecha Es Levavcha means, means you're going to change. It's in you. 
It's not like a Kodesh Baruch is going to go and take the chromosomes and move around the DNA and make you into something different. This image of Mal Hashem Lokechad Levavcha says that there's a real you. But the real you doesn't always, you know, that's called, that's why people do analysis, make a living. Because everybody wants to find the real me someplace. So, you know, for a, for a fee, they'll be happy to find it for you. So, Kodesh Baruch says there's a real you. And the real you, for people who stood at Har Sinai and received the Torah, is doing the right thing. That's real. Right? Doing the right thing is real. And is a kind of a release. It's just like it enables you to be real. It doesn't mean that God changed you from one thing to another. Adarabba. That's who you were all the time. You were Umal Hashem Lukachat Levavcha. Okay. Pasuk Zayin. V'natan Hashem Lukachat Kol Alot Olot of Curses. Ha'ila Al-Oivecha V'al-Sonecha Sheridavucha V'atatashuv. Now it's like again, there's a new order in the world. In the old order, all the nations of the world were part of their job was to punish B'nai Yisrael, right? The, the Assyrians punished B'nai Yisrael, the Babylonians punished B'nai Yisrael, the Greeks, the Romans, everybody punished B'nai Yisrael. But in the new order, they're going to be out of work, those guys. Right? They're not going to be, you know, God is not going to be interested in them. So that God will turn, turn to them and the curses will devolve upon them. Because that'll be your natural state. That's to be the way you're going to want to be. You're going to want to do what God tells you to do. You're going to know that that's the right thing to do. Right? You'll be left, or you'll remain, or what will remain of you, the way you will be, it will be Litova. And God will be happy with you. Right? There's this kind of a notion. We don't know exactly what it means, but that if God created the world, and if the world can be like a better place or a uh, less good place, so it makes sense to say that God would be happy with the world as a better place. That's called sas. Right? That's called sas. We, I mean, we haven't got time for that. No, but it's an important word and it's something that deserves, deserves our consideration. So there are two operative principles. One is the principle called tshuva, that you're going to do tshuva. But not the kind of tshuva that we talk about in Hilchot Tshuva, which is a thing that happens, that comes and goes. You know, people, sometimes you feel the need to do tshuva more, and you feel tshuva less. But here we're talking about ultimate tshuva. That the tshuva that we do is going to solve the problem of Am Yisrael, of Klau Yisrael. It'll all get back to the way it's supposed to be. That's the tshuva that we're talking about. And then suddenly we have There's a machloket rishonim about what this means. Kia mitzvah hazot. Kia mitzvah hazot. This mitzvah. I mean, what mitzvah are we talking about? Uh, it's not clear. According to the Ramban, we're talking about the mitzvah of tshuva. According to the other Rishonim, we're talking about the Torah. But then, let's say in the flow of things, we're talking about this kia mitzvah hazot. Let's say it's both. It's tshuva and kola Torah kulo. That's the mitzvah that we're talking about. And he says, don't worry. You're going to worry that the whole thing's not going to turn out. You'll, you'll do tshuva, you'll go back there to Israel, you'll accept the, the Torah, etc., and you're still not going to make it. You're not going to be able to do it. You're not going to be able to do it right. Ke'a mitzvah azot 
I heard I heard this week was the elections for the Moet Moetzid Rabbanut Rashit, right? Moet Rabbanut Rashit. I don't know exactly what that is. But it sounds like a serious thing, you know. Uh, somebody would offer me a job to be on the Moetzid Rabbanut Rashit, I would take it right away. First I would ask if there's a pension. But if there's a pension, why not? So the Moetzid Rabbanut Rashit, all the nominees, half were Ashkenazi, and half was Sfardi, which itself is a remarkable thing. You know, like, like, where are these guys living? You know, like, which century? So there were the Ashkenazi nom- nominees and the, uh, the Sfardi nominees. So one very popular Sfardi nominee was branded by Askanim. Askanim, you know what Askanim are guy, guys who run with telephones in their ears all the time? That's an askan. Right? So if you have a phone in your ear and you have another phone on your belt and a lot of keys, you're an askan. You're an askan. So the askanim said, well, he can't vote for him. Again, they said all these guys have big white beards and Hamburgs and they like look really unhappy most of the time. I mean, all of them, all the candidates. All the candidates, and they know a lot of Torah. They really do. They know a lot of Torah. So the Askanim said, can't vote for that guy. He's not from. <laughs> so this, I thought, was really, really quite remarkable. You know, so it says here in the Pasuk, Kiyan Mitzvah Hazot, which is to be from, to keep the Torah, and keep the Mitzvah. So people are going to come and say, we can't do it. We can't do it. I can be from. Because there's so many people who say they're from who are not from. And so the Torah says, Lo nifleti mimcha lo rechokai. Lo niflate, it's not beyond you. Lo bashamayim. Lo bashamayim huleimo. Mi'alelo ha-shamayim vekechelanu v'yashmi'einu al-tabinah. It's not in heaven. And we don't need an agent to go up to heaven and bring it down. I mean, after all, I mean, what does this mean? I mean, the Torah never heard of Moshe Rabbeinu? Didn't Moshe Rabbeinu do this once? But why would anybody say that? People are going to come back to Eretz Yisrael. Now, see, this is what's happening. Everybody does tshuva of some sort. So then they all come back to Eretz Yisrael. And God says to them, okay, now everything's going to be fine. You'll keep the Torah, and HaKadosh Baruch will keep the, the, the divine side of the bargain. And we're going to say... Oh, we're going to mess it up. We always mess it up. So we're going to mess it up now. And then the Torah says, no, you're not going to mess it up. Don't worry. You'll be able to do it. You'll be able to do it. That's the operating posok. You'll be able to do it. And then the Torah says, what do you think? The Torah is up in heaven someplace? It's not up in heaven. We think the Torah is someplace on the other side of the ocean. Because the Torah is karove lecha. It's like a relation, a, a, a close relative. It's like the intimate family. Just like you have it. You have the Torah. So there's no problem in keeping the Torah. Okay. I want to just look at the Rashi in Pasuk Yudbet. Loba Shamaim He. You see that Rashi? Loba Shamaim He. She'ilu ha'ita ba'shamayim ha'ita tzrich la'alot ha'chrem If it was in heaven, you'd have to go up to heaven to get it. That's what, that's what uh, uh, Rashi says. That's the idea of the Pasuk. So HaKadosh Baruch says, it's not in heaven. So I guess HaKadosh Baruch knows that it's not in heaven. After all, Moshe Rabbeinu brought it down to earth. But he said, you could say, okay, Moshe Rabbeinu brought it down to earth. But Moshe Rabbeinu only brought down that part of the Torah that you could bring down. What about the Torah that's up in heaven? You know, you go and you make kind of a story. And you say to yourself, there's a Torah that's still up in heaven. So since the Torah is still up in heaven, I can't do that. I'm not that good. I'm not that devoted. I'm not. So you have this parasha. This parasha is not talking about, as I said in the beginning, he's not talking about, about doing tshuva. 
every person, every day of the year, all year long, has the obligation of doing tshuva. There's a separate obligation to do tshuva in Yom HaKippur. Right? But this is for the individual. Or even the individual is part of a smaller community. That's what we call tshuva. Here the word tshuva in the Torah is being used as the word that explains that there's a change that's going to take place. That we're not always going to be in the same situation worrying that the wrath of God will come down upon us for messing up. And messing up doesn't mean that we're all going to be they're all be in McDonald's eating those treif hamburgers. You can like be from and mess up. You can be in the world of the datiyim and not be so dati. And so you have to pay a price. You pay a price. So this is something that you can't get out of. Sakhari Bro says no. You should know that you're going to get out of it. That there's a future. There's mala shabu kechet There's a way to uh, end history in a reasonable way. B'nai Yisrael and Eretz Yisrael doing what they're supposed to do. And they're never going to have to worry about the Torah in heaven. They're never going to have to worry. They won't have to say, look, I'm doing as well as I can. And I'm doing as much as I can. But maybe I'm not doing enough. Maybe there's more. Maybe there's a little bit of Torah that Moshe Rabbeinu left in heaven. Maybe there's a little bit of Torah that Moshe Rabbeinu left on Me'ever Layam. Right? This kind of, this kind of feeling of insecurity. That you never get it right. That you never get it right. Everybody knows. Everybody knows. There are annual Chumras. Let me get about Chumras. Chumras is not important. But, but when, you know, I always say when you, when your children go to Yeshiva. So that's it. You know, the fortunate parents are the ones whose children come home once in three weeks. The difficulty is when your children come home every week. It's because every week there's going to be something that has to be corrected. Every single week. It's amazing how they work that out. They must have little books that tell them week number one, you know, work on the kashras, you know. And, and nothing, none of these things have anything to do with halacha, really. Because the mother in the household protests. And well, how does she protest? She says, well, my mother did it this way. Now, that's really a pretty good argument. You know, usually the my mother argument is correct. But the children, the children, after all, they're forward-looking. So they say, who cares about your mother? We've got to get it right. Right? And right means what I heard in yeshiva yesterday. That's called right. So that, that, that's not going to be. It's not Bashamayim. It's lo be'ever layam. You don't have to worry. You're going to be calm. Imagine that. You'll be calm about keeping Pesach. And you'll be calm about davening on Rosh Hashanah. You're going to know that you could do it. It's an amazing promise that HaKadosh Baruch Hu is making to B'nai Yisrael. So, so we learned the parsha. Now we want to learn one comment on this parsha, and that's the comment of Rav Nossam, the Talmud of Rav Nachman of Braslov. I've had a, an opportunity for a few weeks on the web yeshiva to teach Rav Nossam on this parsha, and I wanted to share an idea that he had. Rav Nossam, I told you once. I think I told you it was a very brilliant expositor who became a chassid of Rav Nachman of Bratzlov. Right, he was the chief chassid. It's always important if you want to be a famous Rebbe to have a very competent chief chassid. Because the chief chassid writes up what you say and usually writes it up better than you could write up. What? He's also a spokesman but he leaves uh, the legacy. The legacy comes from the the chief spokesman. So without the spokesman, you wouldn't, uh, you know, you know about Johnson, Boswell. It doesn't matter. It doesn't really matter. But you know, like you need a spokesman. Rav Nossin was a was a genius. 
I mean, Nachman was also a genius. But Nachman was a genius. And he was able to write up the stuff that Rav Nachman said in a way that became, uh, for us, uh, the, the material that we learn, right? That's what we learn. We learn what Rav Nachman wrote up. So there's this story that Rav Nachman went to Rav Nachman. This happened all a very short period of time because Rav Nachman came, Rav Nachman came to Rav Nachman, Rav Nachman the Brasser died when he was 37. Right? There's a whole list of people who died when they were 37 who did very well. There's also another list of people who died with 37 and didn't do much. <laughs> but there is a list of people who died with 37 who are like, it's remarkable. 37, I mean, I can't even imagine that I was born when I was 37. You know, it's like, so Rav Nachman died when he said, you know, the Ramor also died when he was 36 or 37. I mean, the people who had amazing, amazing influence on, on, on Amisra, uh, the Arizal. I mean, uh, 36, 37 seems to be the age when great people kind of feel that they've, you know, given you what they can give you and they check out. So Rav Nassim came to be a chassid of Rav Nachman's when he was about, when Rav Nachman was about 33. He wasn't always there. He was only there in the last few years, but he managed to make an, an imprint on the system that was unbelievable. So the story is this. This is a story. I think I told you the story, but I'll tell the story again. Good stories. First of all, you should always tell good stories over again because that's what a good story is. And secondly, I don't have that many stories to tell, so I, so I, I repeat the stories that I, that I happen to know. So Rav Nassim said, went to Rav Nachman, it was Erev Pesach, and he said to Rav Nachman, listen, you know, I'm writing up your stuff, and I have it, and this, and I think that I could learn, that I could write my own Torah. But I, of course, I need the Rebbe's permission. So could you give me permission to write a Torah and to say it or to speak it to the Hasidim? That was like the, the ultimate accolade that Rav Nassim could imagine receiving. That Rav Nassim would say, okay, you say a Torah, we'll listen to you. So Rav Nassim said, yeah, I think, I think you can do it. But only one thing. I want you to review, before you do that, review one more time, Kol HaTorah Kula. Kolaterakula means Avli, Yushalmi, Shochanarach, Zohar, and all the cognate uh, literature that goes along with any of these things. This is where Rabbi Nelson writes in Shifchei Haran. He says, he says uh, So the Rebbe told me to go over Kolaterakula. So I did that. And then I came back to Rav Nachman, Erev Shabbos. And I said, I did it. Can I say a Torah now? So Nachman said yes. Nachman said yes. So, so Rav Nossam, <laughs> that means in seven weeks, he went through Kola Torah Kula. You know that? You know that idea? You know Rav Kook, Zatzal, when he was in Valdosha, Rav Kook was in Valdosha for a year. He had a Seder in the afternoon, Bikiyas. And he used to learn 60 daf of Gemara every afternoon. It wasn't like even the whole afternoon, I think. He learned 60 daf of Gemara an afternoon. So how long did it take him to do Shas? Huh? How long is Shas? How many daf of Shas? Seven, seven years, 365, let's say, 350. 350 times seven is how much? A 2450, right? 2450. 2450 divided by 6. 6 into 245. Two, two <laughs> it's 40 days. 40 days to go through shots. All of shots. Every page in shots. Rav Kook did it in 40 days. Not bad. Not bad. So somebody told me this story. Years ago, somebody told me this story and I said, I said, what's the big deal? If you know the 60 dots already, so you can go through them very quickly. It's only if you don't know the 60 dots that it's a problem. So that was what happened to Rav Nossin. Rav Nachman said to Rav Nossin, listen, you know, you should like review Kola Torah Kula. So Rav Nachman Rav Nossin said, okay, fine. So he did it between Pesach and Shavuot. He reviewed Kolaterakul. So Rav Nosson wrote a work, a very interesting work, called Likute Halachot, 
which tries to integrate the ideas of Rav Nachman with the Shulchan Aruch. I mean, you have to look at it. It's not like, it's not an obvious, it's not obvious what he did, but it's a very interesting book in which he summarizes the ideas of Nachman, he talks about the halacha, he inter- it's like a totally new idea, that no one ever thought of doing it before him, and no one has ever done it since, since people have talked about the ideas in the halacha, but they pick out a halacha. They didn't do it systematically as he did. So listen to what he says. This is Rav Nosson. This is my topic. I think a person that we should diminish, this is a chassid talking, says we should diminish ribui hitlahavut. Hitlahavut is enthusiasm. Ribui hitlahavut is like, you know, a bunch of drunken chassidim. That's ribui hitlahavut. And Rav Nassim says, you should cut this down a little bit. Key. Machmat ribui hitlahavut ain't yechol asod klav. He says, because when you get into that state of partial dementia and you're like, sort of like, uh, out of it, you know, you're having an out of mind and out of body experience. So he says, well, you can't do anything. You can't get anything done. Remember Loba Shamayimhi? Our Pasuk? He says, this is what the Torah means. What does the Torah mean? Lemor, mi yaled lanu ha-shamayma, lanu. Upirish Rashi, Shailu Aitab HaShamayim, Yitzchik La'alot, Acharev, Lobeh Velayam, etc. Ki lefi ribuy et la'avut, and as he says, how do you do that? Well, a person says, when he says, hey, I want to go up to heaven to get the Torah. The Torah says, no, you don't have to go. But when the person suggested, when he said, I want to go up to heaven to get more Torah, so what did he mean? How is he going to get there? You take a train? He says, no, ecstasy. I don't mean those little pills. Right, you do... Those little pills are named after a word in the English language. You do like a little ecstasy, and you get to the Shamayim. He says, "Ain't must speak lo shuma vodasha ba'olab shevshal alatzot ki nidmelo shadayin and no you say klal umachmadzeno seklal chas v'sholom kanal." He can't do anything. He can't get it right. Right? He can't get it right because he's not the Shamayim. Only if you go up to the Shamayim do you get it right. So you have all these kids all over the world. They're all sitting on pillows and smoking hash. And they all say, we want to go straight to heaven. We want to skip the part about the 60 daf of Gemara every day. Because that, we're never going to get there anyway. Because the real of the real, the deep of the deep, the high of the high, it's all, it's all found by Shammayim. It's all found by Shammayim. So what I need is a ticket to Shammai. I don't need the Torah on earth. It's okay. If you want to go the long route, you know, take the local. You can take the local. So you learn Baba Kami, you learn Baba Metziah, you learn, uh, you learn Parashanut, you do that. And then maybe someday they'll let you sit in the front of the shul and then you'll kind of like be special. But if you want to be special right away, so you sit on a pillow and you go into a little ecstasy. You go right up La Shamayim and you see things. Everybody will guarantee, everybody will explain to you, oh, I see things that I never saw before and I know things that I never knew before. The attraction is tremendous because it takes about two minutes. It takes about two minutes and then you're up in heaven. So along comes Rav Nosson, who was a Hasidish Rebbe, after all. And the Hasidim were well known for their attraction to ecstasy of one kind or another. And he says, no, that's not how you do it. And that's what the Torah meant when it said, don't make any mistake. Don't think that the Torah is in heaven. And that by going up to heaven, you're going to get a better deal. Quite the contrary, the Torah is with us. HaKadosh Baruch does not complain to his creations. After all we know that the Torah was not, that's what the Gemara says, in Shabbos, the Gemara says that the Malachim 
came to HaKadosh Baruch and they said, why do you want to give the Torah to these guys? They're just going to mess it up. Give it to us, Malachim. You know what Malachim? They are the ones who, who take orders. They do exactly what they're told to do. So if the Torah says, do a mitzvah, avoid an Aveira, so the uh, Malachim are going to do it. So the Malachim said to HaKadosh Baruch why do you want to give the Torah to these guys? They're going to just mess it up. So here he says it. Rav Dossel says it. what we were talking about. Do not imagine that tshuva is beyond you. Do not imagine that the mitzvot are beyond you. Do not imagine that the system leads you to absolute necessary failure. Do not imagine any of those things. It's not true that there's a more perfect system in heaven that we want to associate ourselves with. And that's what Rashi means. This is a good pshat. Rashi means, and Rashi says that if the Torah were truly in heaven, then we would really have to go and get it. We'd be obliged. The Torah wouldn't say, Lo But the Torah would say, Go and get it. Right? Take those little pills. Smoke those little cigarettes. And then you'll get to heaven. That's what the Torah would say. But the Torah says, Lo That as much of the Torah as you need, in order to be the person that you should be, is found, is found right where you are. Right where you are, which is Loba Shamaim Hainu, Shabvadai Haemeti Kemoshin Idmelecha, Kivadai Afilu Maloa, Yavshala Kayemet Toraki in La Lotla Shamaim. Because even if it were true that I couldn't really do the Torah unless I went up to heaven, if that were true, Hainu La Soda Vodot Vohot Maot Techem Shahem, Bechinat Shamaim, Vadaya Yita Tzrich La Lotla Chareh. See Rav Nosan? He says, if it were true, that ecstasy was the only opening to Torah that I would be obliged to do the ecstasy. I would be obliged to leave the world that we're in, mechanically or otherwise, and become part of the Shamayim. And there's no doubt. So when the Torah says, Lo he's telling us something about Torah. That the Torah is entirely, as far as we're concerned, found in our hands. And by keeping the Torah, we're keeping the Torah, we're doing what God wants. And we can be perfect in this. And that's what this parish is trying to tell us. That we should not develop the notion that we can't do it anyway. That we can't ever be successful, that we can't be perfect, that we don't really know what time Alos HaShachar is and Zman Tfilah, like, well, we don't. We don't Azma. So apparently you could do without knowing. You know, people, you go to, I go sometimes to a Nate's Minion. So you have these, like, people, certain kinds of people standing with their watches, you know, they're like standing like this, and, uh, and they're like, waiting to see if the Shlich Tzibu will start Shemon Esrei 15 seconds early and then they get annoyed the Chazanish who also knew a lot of Torah stood on his porch and looked over eastward and when he saw the light of the sun coming up he started davening Shemon Esrei he didn't look at a watch so you have you have different ways of approaching a halachic issue like you could say you can say, look, I can't do it. I can't make a piece of matzah because how could I be sure that there's no chametz in it? I mean, I can clean, I can wash, I can do, turn that, but I can't be sure. I can't be sure. How can I eat uh, a peanut? Maybe there's some, some little animals running around in the peanut. How can I eat anything? I mean, after all, the, the, the cauliflower might have come into contact with the potatoes. I mean, look, everything is, everything is futile. Whatever we do, as hard as we try, as much as we do, 
I mean, you look at a chicken. You know, a chicken comes in a plastic bag, and it has like a lot of Hebrew words stamped on it, as though the chicken itself is saying, I'm as kosher as could be. But we know that it doesn't always happen. You know, there's human error. People make mistakes. Shochtin, shocht all day long, and sometimes they, they can make a mistake and do things uh, that shouldn't be done. How do you know? So you say, okay, I mean, we go after some sort of majority. Majority? But what about the minority? So let's not eat chickens. You know, like this, it's like endless. So loba shamayim, he means, that you really can do the Torah. Not just do it to our satisfaction, but do it to the satisfaction of heaven. And that, that when the Torah was given to B'nai Yisrael, it was clear that if we try, and we work at it, and we try to perfect whatever it is that we're doing, it's Loba Shemaimi. That's called Kiyum HaTorah. And that's what he, that's what Rav Nosan, that's what Rav Nosan is saying. Right, because he said, if it were true that the Torah was Bashamayim, that everybody would have to go to the Shamayim and keep the Torah there. Keep the Torah of heaven. Now, that doesn't mean, I'm not saying that if there's a halacha psukah, something in the Shulchanach, that we could say, oh, I can't do it, and somehow you get into this uh, category. That's not what we're talking about, right? We're talking about the kind of perfection that's not given to us. We can't do that. We can't be perfect in that way. Aval Hashem Yitbarach. Hafeitz Chesed Hu. Knows God knows that we are that we tend to imperfection. We tend to inconsistency. We're not always nice. We're not always righteous. We're not always great staka. We're not always any of those things. And he says if there is some kind of notion of more of greater perfection, most people never attain it. They never become part of the greater perfection. And he says it's logical. After all, most of the people in the world can't be expected to ever get to this kind of level of devotion and, uh, and uh, mitzvah performance. This is a truth. It doesn't mean that the Torah is in Bash the Shemaim, but not everybody has to go there. It means ain atarab b'shamayim at all for anybody. The ha'inu shelo yefshal iskot la Torah ki im al yedei madregod kvohot bechinat shamayim ki lo b'shamayim v'siyem amikra ki karov elecha adavar maod. That's the end of the pasuk. B'fichol vavchal asoto ha'inu. That going up to the show. So, so, so I would say, to summarize the idea that Rav Nosson is trying to share with us, I would say it as follows. That clearly, the Torah is Bashanai. Meaning that God's Torah belongs to God. And therefore... There's a perfection to God's Torah that we can't even imagine. I mean, imagine, so if uh, somebody says, Bashamayim, so you say, oh, that's a good idea. Then we should go, Bashamayim. We'll get a little kind of feeling for the perfection of Torah. Rav Nelson says, says, no, that's wrong. Lo Bashamayim. As far as we're concerned, there is no Torah in the Shamayim. Even though there may be. But for us, there's no Torah Shabbat Shemayim. And the Torah is the best we can do. And the best we can do is certainly acceptable 
in heaven. So this is how the parsha talks about the end of time. In the end of time, v'shavta ad Hashem God will ensure, so to speak, that we will, as a community, as a nation, do tshuva. And then we will go back to Eretz Yisrael. Umar Hashem Elokecha et levavcha means you will undergo a change. But not a change which will change you into some other Bria, but which will enable your natural inclination to do the right thing to come to the fore. You'll do the right thing. Mala Hashem Elokecha et levavcha. And then there's a danger when you're doing the right thing. The right thing always presents a danger. And that is, maybe I could do it more right. More, as the children say sometimes, with English-speaking parents, more better. Like you could do it more better. You'll always think that. And you'll always imagine that there's a Torah in heaven that we have to associate ourselves with. Along comes Rav Nossin. Rav Nossin says, that's not what the Chumash says. The Chumash says, Loba Shamayim, he period. And even though it's logical to say that God's Torah has this divine aspect to it, which is in heaven, and that somehow if you found a ladder that would take you to heaven, that's where you should go, the Torah says, Loba Shamayim. No, it's part of the guarantee that the new order which will be established in Eretz Yisrael, which is based on Umal Hashem Elokecha et Levavcha, that that new order is also based on another proposition, which is Loba Shamayimhi, Veloba Evrayadein, which means that in spite of the fact that it's reasonable to imagine that there's a Torah, I mean, Chazal say that Moshe Rabbeinu had 49 achieved the 49 Sharei Bina, but not the 50th. In other words, this idea that you can't just grasp all of the Torah. You can't understand everything. Nevertheless, for us, Loba Shemayimi, for us, there's a perfection in doing what we're supposed to be doing. And if we do what we're supposed to be doing, as a result of Mola Shemayimi, which comes after the Shabbat Shabbat et Shivutcha, all of that will guarantee that there'll be a new order and that the brachot and the klalot of the parasha of Kitavo will not be, uh, will not have to be used again. They will have been used in history, but they won't have to be reused at the end of history. And so this is this is the promise of the Torah. On the one hand, everybody is obliged to do tshuva. Because we can't really express who we really are. We can't act out the way we would like to be. We can't be tovsei Torah in the way we would really like to be tovsei Torah. On the other hand, there's a promise that there will be an awakening and we'll be able to do the right thing. And we'll be able to overcome our uh, kind of inability to see that the right thing that we do is what there is to do. There's nothing else. There's nothing beyond that. There's lo- everything else is lo bashamayim. Lo bashamayim. I wish you all Shabbat Shalom. Ketivah v'chatimah tovah. You know, Rosh Hashanah is an important time. Uh, it's also good to eat on Rosh Hashanah, but it's important to daven. The mitzvah of Tkiyat Shofar is an important mitzvah. It's good to review a little bit some of the details of uh, those of you who don't listen. If you listen the next few days to the Halakha you'll meet, to the Ravinder five-minute Kola Torah Kula, you know, five-minute, uh, so you can... Uh, and the next ones are all going to be about Tkiyat Shofar. It's good to review things. Even though you've gone to shul all your life, and even though you've done these mitzvot all your life, it's possible to forget. Even for that, even that is possible to forget. 
I remember I was always amazed when I davened and chewed my father's that he could always find the place in the machzah. I couldn't figure out how he did that. But you know, today they don't have those kind of machzorim anymore. Now they have machzorim that light up in the dark. You put your finger and it turns the page by itself. Tells you what to do, what to stand, what to sit. But you have to look at the machzor. If you don't look at the machzor, you won't know. Shabbat Shalom.